Hi, it's Andy, and welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. Our hope is that this will help your life and inspire your faith. Thanks again for checking us out. I've been going through a collection of talks called uh, God is looking at the aspects and the characteristics of God. If uh, you ever, ever had a friend, and you've known that person for a long time, and then you meet their parent, and then suddenly it all makes sense. You ever had that, where you've gone, ah, suddenly it all makes sense. Like maybe your friend is Andy Gamble and then you meet Billy Gamble. You go, ah, it makes sense. Well, I think sometimes we can try to go about life doing things and actually we need to work out who our creator is, who our father is. That actually we can face life's challenges, we can learn more about who we are when we discover more about who God is. And the amazing thing about God is because he's infinite, because he is outside of space and time, then there is always more we can learn about him. There's always more aspects we can learn to him. And as a consequence, our lives can always be changing. And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at who God is in order to impact our lives today. So we've looked at God being holy, and we've looked at... um, I can't even remember what Victoria preached on last week. That's bad on me, isn't it? But we looked at different aspects of God. And today, we're looking at an aspect of God. We're looking at God being trustworthy. God being trustworthy. Um, I'm going to preach... Uh, from Matthew 6 today, uh, one of the most famous passages of the Bible. I'm just going to read it out and then we'll pray and then we'll get stuck into it. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Lord God, we thank you as we touch on your word today that you are trustworthy. Lord, that we do not need to be people that worry, people that are anxious about what tomorrow brings because we can trust you today. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if you identify as a worrier, uh, but my question to you, just want to hold in your thought right now, what is it in life at the moment that you think, oh, that's what I'm worrying about most? That's what keeps me up at night. That's what what I'm a bit anxious about. Um, I was trying to think whilst preparing this talk about a moment in my life where I've worried the most. And uh, some of you will know that I grew up in church, and I grew up in a church not too dissimilar to the Hills Church. So we as a family joined a church of about this size when I was two years old, and then as I grew, the church grew. And, uh, and so I was a church kid in the 90s and noughties. And the thing about what was happening in the church and in the, in the modern church at the time was it seemed like anything that went about in popular culture, anything that was popular, anything that kids would engage with, there was always some teaching that would go around in the church about how that was bad for your kids, right? So I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers. 
because it would incite violence. Mum didn't want me to be violent. If you've seen Power Rangers, you'll know they never make contact. The only thing that I'd be encouraged by watching Power Rangers would be like joining diversity, the, the dance act or something like that. So I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers. Um, There's a few different things that I wasn't allowed to do. I had Pokemon cards because they were obviously the thing. And then I had the Pokemon Game Boy game and I was loving it. And then there was a night of teaching at the church about how Pokemon was bad. And then, so this, this Game Boy cartridge, it cost 50 pounds. Mum made me throw it in the bin because I wasn't even allowed to sell it because if I sold it, then someone else would be engaging in the content. Right, and I'm not saying whether this was good or bad. This is just my experience as a kid. And, and one of the things that we weren't allowed to watch, me and my sister, we weren't allowed to watch or read Harry Potter. And that was the time where it was all springing into popularity and all my mates were all reading it. They're all talking about it. Oh, can you believe that Dumbledore dies? Spoiler alert if you're reading it right now. And, uh, and we weren't allowed to get involved in any of this. And it was part of the thing that was happening with the church at the time where it was like, if something rose into popularity, they'd write some literature, there'd be some teaching, they'd be like, oh, let's, let's stay away. And so there, there was an understanding of like, we want to keep ourselves holy, we want to keep ourselves like good Christians and following Jesus, so let's abstain. And one of the things that came out during this time was a series of books called Left Behind. Has anyone read Left Behind or know what I'm talking about? A few blank faces, a few people know. These Left Behind books were like a novelization of the end times. So it was about the rapture, about when, when uh, in the books the Christians get taken away from earth and the people that aren't Christians get left behind. And then they have to live with seven years of tribulation and all of that. Now, Left Behind books were popular, and then there was a few movies as well, and then they released a teen series of books as well, which my parents bought for me, and which I started reading. The problem with this was, whenever my parents said, we're going out tonight, Nathan, we'll be home at 9 o'clock, the second it reached 9.01, I thought, that's it. They've been raptured. <laughs> They've been taken away, and I'm left behind. All right, seven years of tribulation now. Living in worry. Literally, 901. <sighs> you knew you weren't a proper Christian, Nathan. <laughs> I'd be praying every week, like, Lord, please, I want to serve you. Like, and then I'd make a mistake. I'd be like, right, well, if the rapture comes now, that's you staying here. That's you experiencing the, the tribulation. I lived in this worry. I lived in this fear of, uh, of, of being left behind, of not being good enough, of not... I was living with worry. And I know that that's a bit of a, bit of a joke, and I know that we look back on it. But like, it was serious at the time, genuinely feared for my life that I'd been left behind and that I wasn't a good Christian. But, um, but in life right now, how many times do we have different worries, and how many times are there different aspects that we can get worried about, that we can get worked up about? And actually, Jesus says in this passage, do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about about, about where, where you're going to get food from. Don't worry about these things that actually, because God will look after you. And the thing about this passage is, it says to me that we can live a life without worry. That actually we can live a life without worry. And if you're anything like me, you can hear that and you can say, well, that sounds good. But I don't think that's true. Because I know that the second that bill comes through the door, the second that diagnosis comes, the second I hear about that news, that when I turn on the news and I see what's happening in the world right now, it can seem like there's so many things to worry about. Surely we can't live a life without worry. 
And you're saying to me, Nathan, you've listed so many things right now. I wasn't worrying before I came to church, but now I'm worrying about everything. But Jesus didn't come to show us a life that we couldn't attain. He didn't, he didn't give these teachings because it's like, well, this is, this is something you'll never achieve. He actually encourages us in a way that life can truly be lived. Do you know today, you can live a life without worry. And that life is the best way to live. There's this uh, woman, Corrie Ten Boom, and she, uh, she, she, helped, she helped save and rescue a lot of Jewish people during World War II. She said this about worry. She said, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. I love what Jesus says where he's like, you can't add an hour to your life. If anything, what, what does worry do? It, it removes hours from our life. Because you can't experience the moment that you're in because you're constantly worried about what's happening outside of it. And I think that what we worry about most reveals where we trust God the least. What we worry about most reveals where we trust God the least. Whether it be about our finances, whether it be about our health, whether it be about our kids, whether it be about our job situation. What we worry about most often reveals where we trust God the least. So, that being said, how do we live a life without worry, you're saying? And I don't think it starts with us just going, right, I'm going to try not to worry. I'm going to try to worry less and try to address that, or I'm going to try and have all the situations in my life that I could worry about, I'm going to sort them out right now so I don't worry. I think it's less about being concerned with our life and more being about concerned with who God is. That if we're to live without worry, we have to discover that God is trustworthy. We have to discover that we can trust God in all situations. And so how do we know that God's trustworthy? What are some of of the ways? I'm going to list three ways. There's way more ways than that. Um, But three ways that we can know that God is trustworthy. And the first is this. God came through yesterday, right? God is trustworthy in the past. He's faithful in the past. When you go through the Bible and you go through particularly the Old Testament, continuously, God's saying to the Israelites and his people, he's saying, remember. Remember what I've done for you. Remember that time when. Think about the Israelites and remember when I saved you, led you out of Egypt. Remember when I brought you through the Red Sea. Remember when I brought you into the promised land. Remember when I provided for you. He's saying, remember. Remember what I did in the past. That's one of the best ways we can know that God is trustworthy because of what he's done yesterday. Because of what he's done the day before. Remember. This is what he says in Exodus 13 verse 3. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you departed from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place. So the Lord heard the cries of the Israelites to be delivered from Egypt. And yet, if you're like me, you can read the story of the Israelites and you can see that they got delivered out of Egypt and they celebrated and then they got led through the Red Sea and then they celebrated and then they end up in the wilderness. And what do they start doing? They start complaining. They start saying, God's not going to provide for us. God hasn't got a future for us. We're we're in a tough situation here. We're walking around the wilderness. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. Surely God's not. We'd rather be in Egypt. And if you're anything like me, when you're reading the Bible or when you're approaching God, you can think, 
oh, these Israelites are stupid. Like, honestly, it was only a couple chapters ago that I read that God had delivered them, and now they're complaining. Surely, surely they know that God's going to lead them into the promised lands. And you can start to go, I would never do that, Lord. If I was one of them Israelites, I'd be like, all right, let's go into the promised land. It's okay, guys. We'll have faith. And then I've read that in the morning, and in the afternoon, I hear some bad news, and I go, oh, no, what's this? We're doomed. <laughs> right? That sometimes we can, we, can, we can start to actually just be like that, and we can start to live like that and stuff. But actually, what you, we need to do is we need to remind ourselves. What the Israelites would do is when they'd have a significant moment where God worked through them, he would say, uh, they would build a load of stones on top of each other, and that would be a monument of saying, right, this is where God moved, and this is going to re- be a reminder to us that all our generations. Now, as a side note, the Bible always says, and it, sta- it stands there to this day. When I was a kid, I'd read that, and I'd think, wow, <laughs> thousands of years, and it still stood there today. No, nah, it's actually when the writer was writing it. But, uh, but I think what we need to do in life is we need to make monuments, Right, We need to t- take moments where we go, actually, this is where God saw us through. And because God's moved in this way now, it means that in the future, we'll look back on this. We'll have hope in the present for God to move in the future. That we need to, make a more, we need to put a few stakes in the ground and say, we know that God will come through because he's come through before. Because he's done it then, he'll do it now. And you might not think that there's so many things that you can list off and go, oh, well, God's come through there. But what about salvation? as a first. It doesn't matter what else comes after that, God's trustworthy. I know that he saved me, I know that he's impacted my life today, so I can trust him for the present and trust him for the future. So if you're worrying today, remember what God did yesterday. Do you know what a young Nathan needed to do when his parents come home late? He needed to remind himself, well, they still came home yesterday. They still came home the day before that. Remember that time when they were 10 minutes late? They weren't raptured then. <laughs> you know that they're coming, through, coming home because they've done it before. You know that God will come through because he's done it before. That's one of the reasons to pick up the Bible and to engage with it. Maybe you're struggling and maybe you think, oh, I'm not sure when God has come through. Well, this book is littered with stories of times when God has come through for his people. And that gives hope because we know what God's done before, he will do again. If he's done it before, he will do it Again, the second thing that shows that God is trustworthy is he comes through today. God comes through. God is faithful in the present. Numbers 14 verse 9 says this, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I think one of the biggest truths that we have throughout the Bible is that God is with us. Sometimes it can feel like God is distant. Sometimes it can feel like, well, God is present to them, but he's not present to me. But actually, the heartbeat of the Bible is that God himself is with us. Emmanuel, that is the name of Jesus before he was born. Emmanuel, God with us. Before Jesus was born, he said, I am with you. And then when Jesus died and when Jesus rose again, when he left his disciples, he said, behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Isn't it incredible when you have someone with you that has a greater authority than you? You ever experienced that? You ever been in a situation where 
you've had someone and and they've they've given you authority for something. Um, I was actually talking to to John and Joel, who are in Silverstone at the moment, and on uh, on Thursday they they bought a walk of the pit stop of the pit lane, and as they're walking along, John shouted out to one of the McLaren mechanics, "Oh, is anything happening now?" And the McLaren mechanic said, yeah, two seconds, just brought them through a barrier, said, you two stand there, and you'll see what's happening. And then as they were stood there before them, the car comes in and pits, and they watch a whole pit stop of McLaren, which only was allowed to happen because they spoke to someone with more authority than them. But they were allowed to cross the barrier, and they were allowed to stand, and he said, don't move a muscle, just stand where I'm telling you to stand. And they, as a result, they got to see something that no one else would see. Do you know what? When you understand that God is with you, it allows you to cross barriers that you couldn't cross before. It allows you to overcome worry and anxiety because, you know, actually, God is with me. I can face illness. I can face financial difficulty. I can face relational breakdown. I can face uncertainty for the future. I can face being worried about my kids because I know who's with me. I know there's, there's someone that's greater than me. I know there's someone with greater authority. I know there's someone with greater power than I. And so I can hope in them. I can put my trust in them. Is anyone thankful that they are not God? I think this all the time. I have so many plans in life. I have so many thoughts about the way things are going to work out. And then when they don't work out, at first I'm like, God, I can't believe you didn't do that. Don't you know it would have been better for everyone if you just sorted that out that way? And then over time, you start to look back at it, you go, well, I'm glad it didn't work out how I said. <laughs> we, we always fail. We always fail. We always, at the end, will always break down. But there's one who never fails. There's one who's always trustworthy. I think sometimes the reason why we don't trust God isn't because we don't think he's trustworthy. It's because things don't work out how we want. It's because things in the present aren't working out how we want. But when actually we recognize God is trustworthy, first and foremost, whatever happens, happens, but I know he's with me. I know he's there with me. He's there beside me. That changes how we live our life. Think about uh, kids when they're afraid of the dark. What's the, what's the number one response for a kid when they're afraid of the dark? Is they call their parents to come and sit beside them and lie with them. Because they know that when our parents are there, we have hope in the present. We're not scared anymore. Maybe some of us need to remember, actually, God is in this room. God is beside us in this situation. God is there with us. So we need not fear. We need not worry. And then the third and final, if you've worked out what the pattern is of this one, God was there for us yesterday. He's there for us today. And God is there for us tomorrow. He's there for us tomorrow. It's easy to forget sometimes that the end is already written. Do you find that? It's easy to forget the end is already written. Maybe, have you ever watched a movie and you don't know which way it's going to go and you watch the movie and you're, you're, suspe- you're in suspense, you're intrigued about how it's going to happen, what, what's the story going to happen, and then you finish that movie and you watch it again, it changes the way you watch the movie, doesn't it? It changes the way you watch a TV show because, well, I know the ending. I know the ending, so I'm, I'm, less, I'm in less suspense I know how it's all going to work out. Well, isn't it incredible if we live life knowing that God knows the ending? That God knows the ending. 
the nervousness doesn't need to be there. This is what it says in Numbers 13, verse 1 to 2. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And this is another time where you look at the, the Israelites and you're like, God's promised you. He's promised you the promised land. They send in the spies. And what happens? The spies go, now nah, we're scared. We'll never take this land. And as a result, they walk the wilderness for 40 years. But this is what, what it says in Revelation 21, verse 3 to 5. And this is our hope for our lives right now. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He was, who, who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I don't know where you're at with God today, but I do know that God has written your story. God has written your story, and God knows the end as well, and he's written the ending. You might be facing some worries in life right now, but God is in the business of making things new. Your story doesn't end with pain. Your story doesn't end with heartache. Your story doesn't end with depression. Anxiety doesn't have the final words. It ends with hope. It ends with promise. It ends with fulfillment that God is trustworthy and he will come through. I used to listen to this preacher when I was a teenager. His name was Matt Chandler and uh, loved engaging with his teaching each week on podcast. And whilst, whilst I was listening to him, um, he actually was diagnosed with cancer. And, it, and so he was preaching throughout his journey of battling with cancer. And I just really re vividly remember something that happened that he was talking about the way that he was raising his kids during this time. And he'd say, I sit down with my kids and I said to them, I'm sick and we're praying for God to heal me. But even if God doesn't heal me, he's still good. He was like, I want my kids to know that even if I do die, that God is still good. Because you know what happens in, the, in that moment? Do you know what happens? God is making all things new. There is a promise that it doesn't matter how sick you get in this life, God will bring about that healing, whether you see it this side of eternity or not. I want to be the type of person that trusts God no matter what. I fail every day. I make mistakes every day. But I want to be the type of person that if they're faced with the toughest scenarios in life, they say, I know that the end is written. I know that all things work out. I know there will be a day in eternity when these worries will seem so insignificant to what's before me. And I'll look back and I'll think, how did I ever worry about that? How did I ever fear about that? Because there is a day coming when there will be no fear, when there will be no pain, when there will be no heartache. God has written the end of your story. And let me encourage you, it ends well. It ends good. Let's have faith to step out because God is faithful. And as the band come up, there's this one last scripture for us that I just want us to leave this. God says in Isaiah 46 verse 4, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Maybe you're here today and you're worried about a situation. 
Well, I just want to take a moment to pray with you. So if everyone just wants to close their eyes and bow their heads. And just think about that situation right now that you might be in, might be facing, or maybe there's someone you know. And Lord, we know that life comes with its worries and comes with its challenges and comes with its reasons. But we know more than anything, we, you are trustworthy. Lord, help us discover how trustworthy you are today as the Hills Church. Lord, remind us of times you've come through before. Of times we've seen you move, of times we've seen you heal, of times we've seen you provide. Lord, show us that you're with us right now, in the midst, there beside us. We are not facing this alone. We're facing it with you. And Lord, encourage us. There is coming a day when we will not be facing this challenge. There is coming a day when we won't be facing any challenge. You have written the end of our story. And so Lord, just give hope and comfort to anyone that is facing a worry right now. You will move. Amen. Hey, thanks again for checking out the Hills Church podcast. Hey, if this message has inspired or encouraged you in any way, why don't you share it with a friend? Hey, as well as that, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Waterside Theatre, and we'd love to see you at one of our services. But hey, thanks again for checking out the podcast. Why don't you subscribe to our channel?